Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Transform Your Life with Kelly and Lisa. I'm Kelly. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kelly. <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about abundance on this show and law of attraction and attracting money and all of those kinds of things. But something we really haven't talked about in length or at length um, or in any depth is debt and how it impacts our self-esteem, our self-love, and our confidence. So that's where we're starting today. It's a, a huge subject, and it's a really touchy subject for many people. But the first point that I want to make when talking about this this particular topic is not all debt is negative. There are some times when debt is a positive thing. You know, one example is a mortgage when you buy your house. That debt is not a negative thing. You shouldn't look at making a house payment as being a negative. You should look at the privilege of making your house payment as providing shelter and caring for yourself and your family and looking forward to the future. And yes, we all want to, you know, pay off our houses and own them debt free, but that's an example of a kind of debt that in my mind is not negative at all. Another one is if you are going into debt, and you're bettering yourself in some way, whether it is a business license or it is a, um, a particular class you need to take or, or a, you know, some kind of study you have to do. Those kinds of things are not a negative debt. And, you know, I'm someone who has actually started four different businesses on my credit cards. So even though that was probably not the wisest thing I could have done, in my mind, paying those credit cards off was, look, this is the business loan I gave myself, and I'm making progress. And it raised my credit score along the way. So we think of the word debt as being a really, really profoundly negative thing. And really, it's all about your perception. Now, if you're someone who shops all the time, and you're running up credit card debt to try and make yourself feel better, that is a negative debt. But I wanted to make that distinction because not all debt is negative, but much of the debt that we carry, especially in the U.S., um, is that negative type of debt. So that's where I wanted to start the conversation. What do you think? I think you hit a really good point, Kelly. And, you know, for me, I see a lot of fear-mongering when it comes to debt. Uh, and right. that's something that really brought, particularly here in the United States. Now, that's not to say that, you know, we shouldn't have, other than like a mortgage, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, because it is, it does weigh on us to try and, you yes. know, pay it off. And holy cow, what if something happens to me, and then you need insurance policies to cover the amount of debt in order to pay off those bills so that your family can actually get your estate or whatever, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes with it, but the fear mongering is what bothers me the most. And, and, it, and it's right. not even just the fear mongering, it's how it makes people feel. And, and, you know, 
I'm worthless. Oh my gosh. I really don't like that aspect. I'm really glad that we're having this discussion today. Well, you know, those kinds of things, and I've said this before, um, but those types of things show me how we are underserving raising our kids. <laughs> because it, it is, I think in school, we need to have some basic accountability classes, some basic Life 101 classes. And it has to start with don't spend beyond your means. You know, if it's something like I was talking about earlier where you're starting a business, and I've, I, like I said, I've done that four times <laughs> where I've started a business on my credit card, to me that made me feel good. See, I look at I am going to max out my credit card to get my business up and running as, wow, lucky me, I have this credit card that I can use to start this amazing business. So that was kind of my perception of it. Uh, when you're talking about someone who, you know, cars, keeping up with the Joneses, cars is a great example for me. I lived most of my life, well, actually up until about five years ago, uh, with whatever car I could find that ran good that I could pay cash for. Because in my mind, cars, that was not a productive use of my credit, <laughs> tying up my credit, buying a car that I knew was going to start breaking or that I knew was going to not appreciate in value. In my mind, going into debt for a car was not the best use of my credit. So I would just buy whatever I could pay cash for. Sometimes that was a $500 car. Sometimes, if I was really lucky, it was a $2,000 car. But I did that because in my mind, I felt like, okay, how is this going to make me feel paying this debt every month? Is this going to make me feel more positive about myself over time? Is this temporary pleasure of going into debt and driving this vehicle off the car lot going to improve my life over the long run? And if I couldn't answer yes to those questions, I didn't do it. And I think that's something we should teach our kids. It works with um, diet and exercise as well, by the way. Is, is eating this piece of cake right now going to improve my life long term? Probably not. But, but in talking about debt, that's the way I, I was taught to look at it. I, I think we need to do a better job of educating people on what is a positive use of, of credit or going into debt and what is a negative use. If you are a shopaholic, if you are someone who is using retail therapy to try to make, make yourself feel better for right now, you know, sometimes maybe that's necessary. I think an argument could be made that if you've gone through a traumatic event, maybe that's what you need to start healing. But what I see most of the time is people who use retail therapy, they use retail therapy to avoid dealing with the reality of their situation or to go deep enough and realize why it is 
they need something outside of themselves to make themselves feel better. That was huge uh, for me personally when I was getting out of a very abusive relationship when I was very young still. And I fell into that, well, things were going to be really tough, so I thought I needed to buy something. And in my case, I couldn't afford to buy much, so it was at a a secondhand store or a thrift store. But fortunately, I had people around me that were saying, no, 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 what are you avoiding dealing with? And I think if we stop when we're starting to go down that slippery slope of running up credit card debt, buying stuff we really don't need. I think if we stop and we say, hey, why am I really wanting to buy this? What is this? about you know is there another way that I can make myself feel better right now what am I avoiding dealing with and a lot of times it's because we we are avoiding dealing with some dark emotion that is coming up or some situation we're trying to avoid and I think that again is is something we need to talk to our kids about is this temporary thing that I'm trying to do to make myself feel better ultimately going to make my life more positive. So that was a mouthful. What do you think? I just want you to clarify for me because I agree absolutely 100% that, you know, a lot of times the underlying foundation is um, you may have grown up in lack or, uh, you know, not really kept abreast of the family situation. And, you know, for me, my parents had a very good, uh, upper middle class income, and my mom still refused to let me wear designer stuff. She was completely content taking me to like Walmart or Target or wherever, you know, pay less. They were better shoes. I did not even say that out loud. Um, <laughs> let me just let me just scratch that real quick. The um, places like that to provide clothing for my sister and I, and they were never. I, I don't even know if I owned a pair of Nikes other than for, uh, in fact, I don't even know if I owned anything like that, even though I played sports. I didn't even get, you know, good sports shoes or whatever. My parents were just not going to pay a designer for me to walk around with their name on my shirt or whatever the case may be. So my sister and I always thought that we were just kind of getting by, and that wasn't the case at all. It was that my parents refused to do that. No matter how much money they had, they refused to, to do that in, in that particular aspect. Um, so for, for me now, I like nice things. I, I don't have an overabundance of them. I do the reciprocal, if something comes in, something goes out because somebody else can use it more than I can. Um, you know, so there is the, the give and take as far as bringing new items into the home and whatnot. But I also know that my energy is affected by my surroundings as well with my house. So particularly with my house. So what are, you know, where, where are your thoughts on the balance? Can, can you give us some insight on that? Because like I said, I like seeing pictures on my wall and, you know, I like nicer things in my house. I don't want my couch falling apart when I try to sit on it or whatnot. So what, what do you have to say to that? I think 
and I've always kind of felt this way. I think quality, we don't spend enough time talking about the quality of what we're buying. We just buy a lot of crap. And that's not directed at any one brand or any one store. It's just, it's the truth. I have found really, really good quality items at very, very inexpensive stores. And I have found a lot of crap at high-end stores. And I think when it comes to our houses, our environments, that is so important to look at what are you surrounding yourself with? You know, are you surrounding yourself with a lot of clutter or are you surrounding yourself with, with things, with items that really mean something to you? Uh, I want to address something that you, you mentioned about your parents always buying the cheap, cheap stuff and even though they probably could have afforded more. That is their issue. And a lot of times, and I know I've seen that in my own life, I've seen that in friends' lives. A lot of times we just assume that because our parents did it this way, that's the way we should do things also. So we sort of duplicate their views on money. And those are not our views. (laughs) You know, that's just taking something that someone else did and making it your own. And I think a lot of the time, the biggest problems we have dealing with money issues and debt issues is that we have not made our own choices. We have not truly made our own imprint on those issues. We have just taken what we saw our parents do or what we saw someone else do. So that's a little bit different. And anytime I hear someone talk about how their parents viewed money, that's exactly how you're viewing money, whether you realize it consciously or not. And not, not pointing out you specifically, but all of us, we oh, all do God. that. So <laughs> at some and I point. I find hard to work against that, you know, and I think that's why I bring it up is because it keeps it in the forefront. And I love to spend money and I want nice things, period. You know, I'm not materialistic. I'm not high maintenance, but I want nice things. And so when I, we had a nice house. My dad always drove a nice car. We had the very first like portable phone ever, uh, you know, before it was even, not everybody could get one type of thing. And that was, my dad was big into technology and whatnot. Clothes were not a, a, a big thing for him. So for me, like clothing, I love the way clothes make me feel. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I totally agree. Go ahead. <laughs> No, that that's um, and and what you've just said there too. Sometimes when we fight against things, it really reinforces it in our heads because we're saying, okay, this is the way I am, but this is the way I want to be. And anytime we do that, we're telling the universe, yeah, give me more of this. I want more of this. So you're you're reinforcing subconsciously the pattern that you've adopted. Uh, The easiest way that I found, and keep in mind it's not easy, but the simplest way, maybe that's a better term, that I found of changing those things is to go back consciously, go back. And, you know, just close your eyes, take some deep breaths, and ask yourself, what did my mother feel about money and debt? 
And the first answer that pops into your head is, is true. And then ask yourself the same question about your father, any older siblings, grandparents you were around. And when you get all of those answers, ask yourself, what do I feel about money? And what do I feel about debt? And then you'll know where you kind of got your blueprint from. And if you go back and what age was I? when I decided this was how I was going to view money. And whatever age it is, again, is the, is the right answer for you, whatever pops into your head first. Then decide, make a conscious decision. I choose to clear and delete this way I'm looking at money from my past, from the present, from the future, to all infinity, and I am replacing it with this way that I want to feel about money. Sometimes it takes a couple of times to actually get that to stick. But if you do it, and sometimes, you know, I, I have people, I've had coaching clients that I've done this exercise with, and I've had them redo this exercise several times, not in a row, but like do it one morning and then that evening and then the next morning and then the next evening. And what is funny to me is sometimes people will, come up with different answers from time to time. And what that means is there is just a lot of gunk about the way you're feeling about money. And maybe you need to do it several more times in that instance. But that really does work. You have to give it conscious effort, and you have to trust the answers that get from your subconscious. But you can clear that. And you can choose a different view. But so many of our parents and grandparents lived through the Depression, or they were children of people who lived through the Depression. And that kind of poverty consciousness and that view of the universe as a place of lack, that takes generations to get out of a society. And really, I think that's where that's, Rooted. I think it's rooted in people who had a really, really, really hard time. Uh, I know people who are millionaires, really, and yet they live like they are making below the poverty line. You know, they, they make their own clothes. They, they live very meagerly, and it is because they were raised by people who had barely survived the Depression. So those, those, that kind of poverty conscious takes a lot to get rid of. But you can do it. You can do it. It takes consciously, uh, like I said before, when you realize, hey, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm buying things I don't need, ask yourself, why are you doing that? Is it to prove to yourself that you can? Is it to make yourself feel better right this second. And if it's something you truly need, like every, every mother and father in the United States, I am absolutely positive, maxes out their credit cards or at least puts a lot on it for back-to-school shopping. That's uh-huh. not a negative debt. You know, that's uh-huh. not really a negative debt. So you need to look at debt differently. We all need to look at debt differently. Don't necessarily assume just because you have debt, it's a negative thing. 
but really be conscious of how you're viewing it. Uh, sometimes we make positives into negatives just, just because. You know, that's our natural proclivity to do that. So be conscious of how you're thinking about your debt. I was going to say, what what are your thoughts on mindset? Because as you were talking, and you know, you you mentioned a very good point. I'm not I'm not calling out my parents on this show, but I'm using them <laughs> as an example. They were uh, they were born in the 40s. In fact, they were right. born in 40. Um, my parents are much older. They didn't have me until 37, so they are they are much older. And that's what, you know, that my dad was wearing, like, you see the old time pictures of the football helmets and whatnot that were like the, the little yep. leather with no straps. I mean, that's what, that's what right. he grew up in, you know, and, and right. parenting was even different then as well. And, yes. you know, it's, I know that that leaked from my great grandparents who came over and they, they worked their butts off in these horrible industries at the time and um you know worked so hard for so little and that was you know what they were told they were supposed to do you work hard for 20 years you get the gold watch and you retire and you live off of your pension and uh, times have changed to me i think times have changed since then but we still have that mentality that carries over and i think that has a lot to do with it so you know you mentioned mindset i really would like to to have your thoughts yeah. because you know you were talking and I was like a penny saved is a penny earned you work 20 years right. get the gold watch then you retire you know you hear early bird gets the worm um uh never a lender or borrower be and like there's yep. so many different things that are I almost think in negative way particularly um when there's no balance to me I feel there's not a lot of balance and so a lot of my money issues are I'm not doing it right according to all of these directions that I'm being given. So, you know, I even have money blocks. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of it is I don't have the credentials or I, you know, I, I didn't work for 40 years well, to become an expert in something or whatever, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, that's all programming that came from the depression. Yeah, that's that's beautifully illustrating my point <laughs> because you know that's that's the way that's the way things used to be. You used to be told those things. You know, we we used to, and the reason, and I, I actually read a really interesting blog post on this. I'll have to find it again uh, on some of the sayings that came out of the depression, and one of them was neither a lender nor a borrower be. And you know why that became a popular saying? Because the banks closed, all the banks right. failed. So if you were a lender, you were, you know, kind of out. And if you were a borrower, well, you were definitely out. So so that was, that's where those came from. And that's an example of a a poverty consciousness, a a viewpoint that the universe is limited, that there's not enough to go around. And those very, very limiting thoughts and ways of looking at life are – so ingrained in society that it does take several generations to reverse those. But that's exactly where all of those things came from. They came from the depression and people were desperate for food and desperate for anything that would keep them and their families alive. So that's, that's exactly where that came from. 
I don't, sure. I don't want the stock to lead me. And I think that's, I think that the idea of poverty and how a person in poverty is supposed to be or act or look has still carried over right. as well. And I see a yes. lot of negativity towards people who are getting assistance. It's like, well, how do you have an iPhone? Well, just because I'm poverty stricken doesn't mean that somebody out there didn't care enough to give this to my child or to give this to me. I didn't say my parents are poverty stricken. I'm poverty stricken. You know, so I think that mentality even carried over and it's tragic. I don't, I, it it bothers me. Um, But, you know, I, I also, and I think that's left over from the, you work hard for 20 years to get the gold right. watch and then you retire and live off of your pension. And I think some of the viewpoints towards poverty are coming from that viewpoint of leftover from, from those eras. You know, one of the, one of my least favorite sayings, and this really to me goes back to the mindset um, is I'm, we're not Rockefellers. I, I hate that. I hate that phrase because you're right, you're not, and every time you say that, you're reinforcing that you're not. So you're right. not really right. opening yourself up to much more than where you are right now. That's one of my right. least favorites. I had to mention that one, too, because I forgot to mention that one earlier. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it comes from, again, that poverty consciousness, that this is the way it's been, this is the way it's always going to be, that very closed-minded, that very you can never leave the class that you were born into kind of thing and again it takes generations to get out of but one of the first things that I would tell anyone who was trying to live by those things is what year is it you know because what worked for people in the 40s and 50s after the depression Uh, especially after World War II, when that whole work for the same company forever and they'll give you a gold watch and a pension thing happened. Those jobs really are very, very rare these days. I know my husband has one of those very rare jobs because he's a railroad guy. He will. In fact, he already has gotten a gold watch and a pension. But, (laughs) you know, he will do that. But um, really, the job is that like working for the railroad. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But um, most people don't have those kinds of jobs. You know, that is not how our economy works anymore. Now, I'm not going to get into a political discussion right now about (laughs) whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But the fact remains, that's not realistic. anymore. Right. And I know people and I've coached people mostly through starting their own businesses when they have dedicated their entire adult lives to a company who has been folded and then they don't get a pension and they don't get a gold watch and all they get is I'm really sorry we're closing the doors. Here's your pink slip go get me on the employment line. Right. But, you know, you're talking about um, how we view people who are getting assistance. Where I live, I live in a very poor county, and there are people here who are truly in dire circumstances. 
And one of the things that is a program I actually helped start and I'm no longer affiliated with, but one of the programs we started was rather than having people when they bought new clothes or they lost weight or they gained weight or whatever, just take those those clothes to uh, Goodwill in, in town or something like that. We set up a community center where we would take gently used business clothing and redistribute it to people in our community who were looking for a job. Free. And we gave away a lot of business clothing. So a lot of people, you know, I talked to one social worker that says, your community has some of the best dressed, desperate people I've ever seen. What are you guys doing? (laughs) And And it's because we felt like if they ever had a chance they needed a little bit of help. Right. But one of these women, one of them, I, I ended up mentoring her for years. She's doing well now. But years ago, she came to me, and she was in tears. And she says, you'll never believe what just happened. And I said, what? She says, I went to a job interview, and I borrowed my neighbor's car, which happened to be a late model Toyota. wasn't brand new, but it, she borrowed her neighbor's car. And she went to a job interview, and on her way out of town, she stopped by the food bank. And someone got in her face and said, how dare you come to the food bank when you obviously don't need the help? Wow. (laughs) And and I felt so horrible for her. Oh and word. and she said, I just stood there and cried. And finally, someone else came over and said, that was quite rude. Here, let me help you. What do you need? And then she told that person, I'm wearing free clothing. I just came from a job interview, and I'm in a borrowed car. But we do make those snap decisions often without thinking about Maybe they, she borrowed the car. Maybe she, heck, maybe she borrowed the clothing. You just, you don't know. And I think that's part, it goes back to the kids, that's part of acceptance and that's part of teaching our kids and recognizing ourselves that you don't know really what someone else is going through. So have a little compassion. Ask some questions. You know, and one of the things that she herself mentioned was, I could have understood if the person had said, do you have a job? Because then I could have explained my situation. But this person didn't ask questions. They just made a snap decision and jumped on her for it. And I just, my heart just broke for her because this is someone who was really trying to better herself. And she did end up getting that job too, by the way. So it all worked awesome. out. But, <laughs> but, you know, how horrible, what a horrible situation that she endured because someone else was, you know, stupid and jumped to a snap. You made a snap decision and jumped all over someone. And, you know, probably they were having a horrible day themselves. So we just need I to come read, from a, a place of more compassion. I agree. I read an amazing uh, blog post on this woman the title was something like i i pick up my welfare or my food stamps or something i went to the government's office uh, food stamp office in a 
I think it was a BMW. And, you know, of course, you're rolling up in a BMW, you're getting some looks. Their situation was the car was paid off. They had paid off the car. Her husband lost work because of, of an injury, and he, they were scraping by to make their mortgage, lived off. They had already depleted their life savings. They're like, we need some help. And she went to the food stamp office in her BMW, and it was like, what would you rather me do? Sell my car and pick up car payments, or now it was an older BMW, and I know I'm already jumping to conclusions in my head on that one, but, you know, would you rather me sell my car and perhaps have to pick up a car payment, um, or, you know, are you just going to not judge me on the fact that I'm here because we've hit a hard time and we need some help? And it was a really it was, it made a point, you know. I thought it was right. a great point. Well, and it is a great point. Right. Well, and there is a woman out here who is um, disabled. She's been disabled for a number of years. Uh, She's very, she's quite elderly. I'm not sure how old she is, but I know she was 80-something when I moved here. And I've been here 12 years. So, you know, she's gone to her 90s. Um, But she has this huge house, huge house, probably I don't know, I'm guessing 4,000 square feet maybe. In my mind, that's a huge house. I realize people have, you know, 10,000 square foot houses, but but that's a big house, especially for one little old lady. (laughs) So if someone asked her, her social worker actually said, you need to sell your house or we can't keep sending someone to help care for you. And this woman says, and where will I go if I sell my house? And she said, well, you'll have to find a a smaller place. And she said, but my husband and I built this house 40 years ago. It's paid off. If I move, I will have a payment. Even if I don't buy a house, I will have to pay rent. How will I do that? And the social worker could not understand the situation. And the state made the decision, thank you, Arizona, the state, I'm being, I'm being sarcastic there. The state made the decision that because this woman owned a home, that she was not entitled to having a caregiver come in, even though she's wow. elderly and disabled. So what happened is the community got together, and we found a young woman with two small kids who was single, and struggling and we talked to this elderly woman and we said you have an upper floor you never go into because you're in a wheelchair here is a young woman who is happy to take care of you and clean your home and she has two small boys and she moved the woman and her two kids who were living in a homeless shelter into her home and now she has a live-in caregiver and to what she calls her adopted adopted grandkids so there's always (laughs) there's always a way around it but I'm really fortunate that I live in a community who looks out for each other and there are so few of these communities but there's always a way (laughs) you know it's just um, telling someone that because they have something that is already paid for 
that they don't deserve food or a caregiver. Right. That's just ridiculous to me. I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. I don't either. I don't either. It drives me nuts when I see those postings on Facebook about, you know, I'm standing in line paying with food stamps and I feel your judgment because my nails are done because my best friend is trying to graduate from nail tech school so she does my nails for free kind of thing. You know, it's like you have no right. idea what that person is, is going through and you're making judgments. We have a – you mentioned the lending closet. There's one here where um, – particularly women can go and borrow business suits. I actually think they're given the business suit. Um, it's called Dress for Success, and they can go and right. get an, a business outfit so that they can go to these job interviews and make better, a better life for themselves. You know, just because somebody's walking around in an Armani doesn't mean that they were able to afford the Armani. Right. I think there's a lot of – go ahead. (laughs) No, that's a very valid point. And I I think, you know, one of the things that always gets me is when people just – they just honestly, for lack of a better way of putting it, they just don't care about what someone else is going through. And I think that's a lot of that kind of thing plays into the whole situation too with someone who might be wearing a designer suit or even, um, you know, driving a borrowed car or something like that. It's really, if you don't care enough about your fellow man to ask questions before you make a judgment, that's your problem. That's not their problem. And I think, we we kind of make these judgments as a society and we don't realize that when we're judging someone else in that way, we're telling the universe a lot about what we expect for our lives. You know, if you everyone know, if just I'm, kind of... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no it's okay. You know, and I also notice that a lot of the folks who are quick to judge the the people like that with assuming that they could afford it, but they're still in the food bank line or whatever, I notice that there's a very small underlying level of misery in their lives. I see it the way they interact with their children. I see it the way they interact with their spouse. I see the way that they post horrible negative, like, oh, my God, my day sucks on Facebook. And it's interesting to see that as well, you know, and I do. And that's coming from a little bit of a judgmental place. Yes, I get that. But I see that those that are harsher on others, um, particularly when it comes to elections, (laughs) that they, they, you know, there is a – an underlying misery. And even if they're not directly putting out that they're miserable, you can see it with what they're posting, the stuff that they share on Facebook. There's just a lot of hate right. and bitterness and right. anger. It's like, you know, yeah. Well, and we all need to start looking for the positives. You know, you mentioned the, the woman standing in the grocery store paying with food stamps and had her nails done. One thing, if you notice something about somebody, 
ask them or comment, whoa, your nails look really nice, and leave it there. Don't say your right. nails look really nice. How do you afford to, you know, <laughs> leave it there. Come up with something positive to say. It takes a second to compliment someone, and it might make their day. You right. know, and that's so important. And, you know, going back to what we were originally talking about with debt, all <laughs> of this plays into that. You know, if you're judging someone else or you're angry, you're filled with anger, you're filled with worry, you're filled with fear, you're more likely to run up that negative debt we were talking about. It is amazing to me through life coaching how many incredibly angry people have come to me for help in trying to figure out why they're miserable. And in talking to them, what they mention first is they have a lot of debt. So, again, <laughs> look for the positive. Um, you know, back in, what was it, October, I guess, I had an author who flew into Tucson, and I took her to a television interview. And my transmission in my car decided that was the day it wanted to grenade itself. So mm-hmm. I was stuck in Tucson and didn't know a mechanic in Tucson. I lived two hours away from Tucson. And it was a whole big ordeal. But because I've had positive debt and because I've been able to pay that off, I was able to find a mechanic and get my car fixed relatively. If I hadn't had any debt at all, and a lot of these people debt-free, 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 if you have no debt, it really tanks your credit score. Right. You need to have positive debt, though. And if you're someone who goes shopping to make yourself feel better or you go shopping because somebody made you angry or you go shopping because, 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 you're not going to have positive debt. And then when you really need credit, you're not going to have it. And then you're going to probably find a million other ways it's somebody else's fault. And that's another thing we need to teach our kids is responsibility. We need to teach them responsibility for how they live their lives, for how they look at other people, and for how they view themselves. Because really, you're responsible for making you happy. I'm responsible for making me happy. Everybody else is responsible for making themselves happy. Right. And really, I think that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to each and every one of us needs to take more responsibility for our lives and the way we see things. Because, you know, like Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It's very, very true. I know I used to laugh at that saying when it first came out, when it was first popular. I was like, oh, yeah, right. But it's absolutely true. And if you stop laughing at things and making those snap judgments, you'll find that the world opens up for you. But you have to, you have to take the responsibility to do that. You have to use credit wisely. You have to look at your debt responsibly. And you have to look at each other responsibly. That was my soapbox moment for this show. I think it was a wonderful soapbox moment. <laughs> I, I, do we have anything to add to this particular no, I conversation? Think we are because good. <laughs> this has been a really good show. Um, if you 
been listening, and I know several people have had trouble getting on. I've, I've seen your messages. Um, apparently, Blog Talk server is very busy this morning, and people are having trouble listening live. It keeps um, stalling out on them. Please share the show. This is a really Please. important topic, and uh, I, I think this has been a really good show about a really good, important topic. So thank you guys for listening. I have nothing else to add. Lisa, do you have any final words? I just have to say have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.